0: Hello and welcome to Energy Unplugged by Aurora. This podcast features various experts from Aurora having in depth conversations with key industry leaders, policymakers, and academics from all over the world. It explores the hottest topics across the energy market and gives a unique perspective on major energy issues.
1: Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of Energy Unplugged, the energy market podcast hosted by Aurora Energy Research. My name is Matteo Coriglioni, I work as head of Italy at Aurora, and I'm excited to host the show today. This episode, in fact, will be centered around the topic of flexibility. The need for increased system flexibility and the deployment of new flexible technologies are some of the most hotly debated in the energy world at the moment when it comes to what are the key enabling factors for the energy transition. I'm very familiar with these discussions and issues in Italy, where flexibility has been the name of the game when it comes to energy market analysis recently. But today I have the opportunity to discuss it from an international perspective with two esteemed guests. We have James Johnston, CEO and founder of Piclo Energy, and Eva Zimmermann, flexibility associate in the Aurora Energy Research team. So welcome to you both. It's great to have you on the show. Great to be here.
2: Yeah. Hi, Matteo. Great to be here.
1: Great. James, I'd like to start with a little bit with your personal journey in in the energy industry. So you're a veteran of the industry with well over a decade of work in the energy world. An energy world that has been changing significantly in many ways from both the economics, let's say, of the sector, but also policy perspective. So I would like to start with you telling us a little bit about your personal experiences leading to founding Piclo. Absolutely. So Piclo, and,
0: and, and was originally called Open Utility, was founded in 2013, um, so 11 years ago now. I've been around for quite a while. Um, you might call me a veteran, yes. Um, and um, I certainly have the, the the battle scars to show. Um what what was I doing before? Um I was actually in the academic side of things. I was at the University of Strathclyde um researching um direct current microgrids and in fact right. how um the, the long distant future of the energy sector might come back to uh, a DC architecture, something akin to an internet of energy. Um so so I was looking, I was applying um, you know, at a, a sort of an academic lens to to the energy transition initially. Um, but I've always been entrepreneurial and and I wanted to sort of um build my own company. Um, and, and I thought I would pivot into the the commercial space and 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 co-founded Open Utility along with uh, Andy Kilner and Alice Tyler. Um and um the you know, the mission has always been around about the same purpose, about getting to this um this energy system, this network of grids that is fit for a net zero system. Um, and over the last 11 years, we've had a, you know, a number of different approaches um, for, for trying to, to achieve this goal. Uh, we, we started um, in, a, in a slightly different model than we're doing right now, a peer to peer energy trading model. Um, and and that's where we learned a lot of uh, a lot of the, the, the hard lessons about how to innovate in this space and uh, where where there are places where it's it's harder to innovate than others and and we learned that um, where you know if you are trying to innovate in in a space which doesn't have uh, a regulatory mandate behind it um, which peer to peer energy trading uh, didn't or, or still doesn't in some ways. Uh, it's very hard. Um, so, so we we learned and we iterated and involved our, our product into our our current flexibility marketplace as we're as we're running now.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned you started in 2013. So maybe the the natural thought would be. What, what would you say has been the largest change in the European power sector over this period of time, especially when it comes to to your activities?
0: Well, certainly it's It's all about flexibility. So when we started, we were in the peer-to-peer space. energy transition was all about renewable energy. Um, so we were facilitating trading of renewable energy between uh, consumers and producers. Uh, and it was in 2016 that we made that pivot to uh, in, in our in our marketplace model away from energy trading to flexibility trading as we yeah. saw that this was the fundamental, uh, you know this is going to become a fundamental pillar to the energy transition. Yes, we need more and more renewable technology being deployed connected to the grid. I think we uh, we we all agree on that. Sure. but actually the 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 hardest challenge that we face is is about how do you connect all of this stuff in so it works? You know how do you make sure that the you know, system is balanced? Uh, increasingly how do you manage all of the the bottlenecks increasing congestion various different levels of the network um you know these are becoming the defining challenges of the the energy transition um, and, and we saw that um, I guess a little bit ahead of everyone else and, and that's why we decided to bet the company on it we, we pivoted the whole company over to, to flexibility domain
1: yeah, I, I think you mentioned several of the points that I wanted to touch upon over over this conversation. I, w- I will start with the, let's say the most general one. Moving into moving over to you, Eva. Uh, so let's introduce our audience to to your work and Aurora's work when it comes to 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 flexibility. Of course, flexibility analysis, just like on the entrepreneurial side that James described, has been let's say a more an increasing focus for the players in the energy industry has become more and more of a center, let's say the central activity also here at Aurora uh, over the last 18 months in particular, I would say. So I would start with that general, and, but probably the most complicated question for you ever. Why would you say flexibility and flexibility analysis is so crucial right now for enabling the energy transition, as we were saying?
2: Yeah, I would say there are two perspectives to take on this. Yeah. Um... First is the system perspective, and the second one is the, the business perspective. Um, I would like to dive a bit into the system perspective first. Um, as we all know, um, and as we already discussed, uh, we are in the middle of the energy transition and we'll have more and more renewable generation. Um, and uh, what this what this means for the system is essentially that um, thermal generation will leave the system and this will leave, a gap in production that flexible assets have to fill. But also if we go more on a on a detailed level, um it will also leave a gap in, 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 in uh grid services that thermal assets used to used to provide. And also um, more renewables also mean more need for grid services. Um so what that means basically is um I think we all already know that uh, sometimes the sun's not shining, the wind's not blowing, and we need something to bridge the gap. And for this, we need flexible technologies. Pretty clear, I think, um, even outside the industry, uh, this is this is understood quite well. But um, but uh, the second dimension to this really is that uh, for a stable grid and a functioning grid, especially one with a lot of renewables on it, we need flexible technologies, and this is essentially vital for this functioning grid, and in the end, it's vital for security of supply.
1: Yeah, thanks, Eva. I think that you, you touch upon a couple of interesting points. So, on, on the one hand, it's very it's very interesting to see how these uh, flex technologies have a role, both when it comes to integrating the renewables from the perspective of providing, as you were saying, the energy when the sun is not shining, the wind is not blowing, and then there is the perspective of providing, let's say, grid services, balancing. And both those things are currently done by by thermal plants. But it's almost like from... When, when you look at this, uh, these two perspectives, the, the first one, like making sure that you have power when renewables are not generating, is clearly the one that probably even the people, the players that are least sophisticated in the energy space can understand that the first one that they will gravitate towards and try to see what's what's up with flex. But the second one, the, the one about grid services, I would say is probably the aspects where flexibility, flexible technologies are immediately needed and they can immediately make money out of it uh, to make sure that, let's say, a energy shift, a time shifting model works. You really need that an incredibly high penetration of renewables, and we will not be there up until the next ten or fifteen years. But already right now, the role that flexible technologies can play into the grid is enough to make the second part of your point valid, which is it's an attractive business opportunity for for let's say energy investors and. Uh, I would I complement that by asking you: What are, in a nutshell, what what are some of the key trends that you are seeing recently in terms of how, let's say, the conversation about flexible technologies, flexible markets, batteries is is being going over the last few months? Have you seen or noticed any notable, let's say, trends or changes?
2: Yeah, I would see uh, you see the the whole industry getting more and more mature and more and more knowledge coming coming. Into the, into the sphere. Uh, when I had conversations, um, let's say one and a half years ago, basically I still started at the point of, you know, um, at some points the sun is not shining, the wind is not blowing, then power is really expensive. You buy it and then you sell it again. So, so, so you sell it and then you buy it again uh, when sun is shining and power is really cheap. Um, so basically I started from these, these points and then I had to explain, okay, so, but also there is balancing services, ancillary services, there's grid services. and actually this is where we need uh, flexible energy and where uh, flexible energy can make money. And I would say one and a half years ago or one year ago, this was still this was still news. Um, <laughs> but I would say our business also got much harder, right? because this is this is by now known uh, known quite well. And uh, questions get questions get way more detailed. Um, for example, uh, more and more worrying about um, saturating markets, um, more and more questions about the crit, about uh, locational factors, uh, where do I put my flexible asset? Um, so I think um, the the biggest trend here definitely is that the industry is indeed indeed maturing um, in a really high speed.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I've had like uh, for for our audience, you 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 focused mostly on Central European markets historically. That's that's been your main geographical focus, let's say. But that's that's exact that exact trend uh, has been my experience when it comes to ta- discussing this type of issues with with The level of sophistication of the industry is is definitely increasing, and on the one hand. We got we play a small role uh as our into that, but it, but it, but it's also like in general, more and more of, of the industries looking at this with a keener eye uh, and try and understanding better better without the the main challenges that indeed are much more complicated than the challenges that you would have when looking at renewables investment. Um so speaking of the complexity of, of the flex industry, uh James, can you tell us a bit more about how your activities at Piclo Energy fit with the challenges of the flexibility industry?
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, so, I think the you know to introduce uh, the, the the listeners to to Piclo, um, we have two products um, as part of our, our wider Piclo platform, um, and, and and these products are, are focusing on solving what we think are the two key issues in in flexibility so one of them is focusing on the buyers of flexibility the system operators both dso's and tso's this is our pickle flex offering and then the other is our pickle max offering focused on the flexible service providers the fsps and the problems they have so um already you can see um there's a lot of complexity in this space and, and and you know, alongside Aurora, you know, we take the same same philosophy of you know of trying to simplify as much as possible what's going on. That's very much, very much music to my ears. Hearing hearing that. Um, so with our our Pickle Flex offering, you know, this is essentially uh, uh, an offering for system operators who want to outsource their market procurement, dispatch, settlement to to a third party marketplace. We help them find flexibility. They, you know, the the vision here is they need flexibility for whatever reason, whether this is a short-term requirement on a specific uh, part of the network uh, because there's too much generation or it's something, you know, more like akin to a capacity contract they need over the next five years um, because they're forecasting some, you know, demand congestion because of EVs. Whatever the use case is for flexibility, our, our vision is they just go to the marketplace and they can find it. You know, they don't need to think too hard about it. They don't need to specify the technology or run a program or whatever. They just go, right, I need megawatts of this shape and size and this color, uh, or megavars indeed, and they go to the marketplace, they find it, um, and, and it's win-win, um, and they get it at the compet- you know, a competitive price. Um, through through you know an open auction mechanism, that's that's the that's what we're doing with Pickleflex, and that's been very successful. That's you know that was our first entry into the space five years ago, and and you know we're we're the leading platform in Europe, and um, we're um, growing uh, elsewhere, for example, in North America as well. Um, now, Pickle Max is our answer to the Flex service provider side. So, of course, Flex service providers can take part in the Pickle Flex experience, as they're the suppliers onto the system. They provide the flexibility. Um, but what in in the process of of building out this offering, um, we we recognise that uh, Flex service providers were were having, uh, you know, as you mentioned, Eva, increasing complexity. They in, in 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 our domain that meant there was an increasing number of platforms, portals, markets, systems, rules um, that they had to adopt. Because um, you know, as you, as you mentioned, unlike renewable generation, where you just need a PPA, where you just sell your energy to someone, um, flexibility is all about actively making decisions all the time. That's how you you know you you monetize. And, and decisions means you can be stacking revenues from multiple places, multiple markets, local markets, national markets, variant A, B, and C of national markets, um, and, um, and and we recognise that we weren't necessarily, You know, whilst we were adding value to flex service providers by giving them access to yet another market, look these local flexibility opportunities, we are also making their life harder because we are giving them yet another portal, yet another platform to sign up to alongside everything else. So so this is what we're we're trying to solve with the Piccolo Max offering which we only we only launched this uh, well, we, we we haven't we haven't launched the platform we announced this in November um so it was very uh 2023 so very very recently uh and we're we're launching this in in, in February um this year so this is all about bringing all these disparate Markets, portals, platforms, concepts together into uh, a single user interface for flex service providers. That's our vision. It's a very big and bold vision. Um, and uh, you know, maybe we come back in twelve months' time and ask me how it's gone. Um, but but the the idea is we we provide a sort of translation service between all these different concepts and translate it into a single kind of set of building blocks covering the end-to-end process from qualifying and registering flexible assets to bidding mechanisms, to dispatch settlement payments. Um, and and, and that's, that's our vision for, for Mac. So yes, there's a lot of complexity. You know How we're, how we're um, dealing with this is sort of providing these two product offerings. One focused on the system operators helping simplify their interaction and one focusing on the flex service providers simplifying their, their interaction with this space.
1: That, that that's super interesting. Thanks a lot, James. And I think that it's also quite uh, quite interesting for forever for, for and I as when we usually deal with you know the issues of the flex space, we tend to mostly be discussing it either with you know the TSO, the DSOs, or the people that are looking to invest into building these technologies, but actually the perspective of building this platform to make sure that the let's say you can put into practice and make it operational our some complex decisions, as you were saying, is, is, extremely, is extremely interesting. And is in, in some ways it's similar to, to the job that we do, although we'll, from a completely different perspective. Uh, a couple of follow-ups. one, When talking about your, your Flex offering for the TSOs, the TSOs, you mentioned that you provide these services uh, across Europe. Now you're expanding into North America. What what are the main factors you, you, you consider when you're looking at new markets? Or what would you say have been, let's say, the dynamics that have made it so that your solutions in, in some markets were more needed and therefore also from a from a from a business perspective on your side more successful? Is it about the structure of the TSOs and DSOs, their interaction? What what what, what is the, the ingredient there? Yes, great question. Um...
0: With with the flex offering, it is it is quite uh, quite reactive based on the readiness of a market. Um, you know we can't we can't just decide to to launch our flex offering in a market. We need to find a, a sponsor a client, a, a, typically a DSO um, who who wants to pilot or try out using a marketplace to source flexibility. Now, what um, you know certainly in Europe. Um, with the clean energy package and and the directive around um, local flexibility, um we're seeing a lot of interest across you know every corner of Europe. Um, but still, some countries are moving faster than others, you know from a regulatory perspective, from a trying things out perspective. Um, and those are the the areas that we um, you know we've had success in. So you know, in particular, uh, Italy and Portugal, in, in southern Europe, we, you know, we've got um, live projects there at the moment. I'd say there's sort of two crucial ingredients. One, you need to have uh, a regulator that's sort of forward leaning and is looking looking at the future of the the, the energy system and getting the systems and rules, um, you know, trialed or piloted in either sandbox environments or whatever that they know that they 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 need the 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 market rules ready for the future so you need a forward leaning regulator and and equally um you need a forward leaning dso some, someone uh an organization that's willing to um you know invest uh, potentially even ahead of of need um you know they might they might you know at the moment the, the volume of bottlenecks on the distribution grid are relatively small um you know, but these are going to come rapidly with electrification of transportation, uh, of heat in, in in Northern Europe, and and then obviously distributed solar is uh, is a megatrend which keeps going. Um, and you know, DSOs really need to be investing now in in, in getting the capabilities internally as well as uh, procuring tools like Piclo so they can access flexibility and. and and meet that. So those are the two key ingredients, I, I would say. Um, that essentially comes down to the the appetite of the, the regulator and the DSO in a country to to move uh, move quickly and, and and understand and pilot things. Um, and and I think that the benefit for these organisations to move quickly is um, and these countries is they then get to shape how this works. You know, if if you sure. are. If you're a laggard in this space, you're just going to be taking the systems and the rules that someone else designed um, and, and adopting them. And, and and for some that's going to be fine. And then I think and and, and for others, they want to lead. And then I think so. What this means for, you know, this is very much on the, the DSO side, the local flexibility market, because this is a brand new space. This is not um uh you know a market that's been around for for decades as uh, well understood these organizations doing flexibility for the first time so we're seeing you know adoption in in it's coming at different speeds and i think from a flex service provider perspective let's say you're a battery storage developer um you you sort of um you need to sort of be reactive as well see where the opportunities are um and and, and opportunities can be you know Better or worse at different times as well. So yeah. you know, it might be that 2024 is the year to invest in country X, and then 2025 you want to pivot a bit more investment into country Y, for example. You know, you got to, I think collectively we all need to be a bit agile in in
1: this energy transition. Yeah, yeah. But you the, the the point of investing in different countries in the uh, different points in time is, uh, yeah, it's definitely one that we that we've also seen uh, at Aurora, especially because if you look. Without going outside of Europe, you within Europe. You have markets that have completely different energy economics, completely different needs, and that make it so that batteries, battery investments, can be successful in different types of country, but for different reasons and therefore at different points in time. Maybe just one last follow-up on this, since you mentioned the how, how key the role of DSOs is for making sure that. This adoption, let's say, is uh, happens uh, as you know as a leader, not as a, as a as a follower, and for making sure that the successful integration of these new flexible uh, technologies can happen, uh, let's say, uh, with adequate with with speed. What is there any? So coming from Italy, one of my 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 let's say concerns is that we have, of course, one dominant source that represents. Vast majority of the distribution network, and so they are probably uh, adequately equipped to invest into into this type of, of solutions. However, there are pockets, let's say, of uh, of the distribution grid that are operated by smaller players, uh, and I and I think that this situation is not only let's say limited to. To Italy, in in other European countries, you have that there are one or two big DSOs, but also a lot of the smaller ones. Uh, are, are you seeing, let's say, uh, uh, let's say an initiative or uh, uh, from from DSOs to to invest into this type of solutions? Only from the biggest ones, or are you starting to see a bit of a more? Let's say consciousness about uh, this issue. Also, from the more local, the more smaller the uh, distribution, dis- distribute distributor.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I think clearly uh, the big innovators like uh, e Distribuzione, who's you know a fantastic client of ours in, in Italy. Um, you know, they they you know they want to lead the world, not just Europe, and you know they they they're making big investments into this space and. And, and the project we're doing uh, in Project Edge across uh, a number of regions in Italy is, is fantastic, and you know lo- lots I can say about that. Um, but in, th- in terms of your question, um, I, 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 we do see uh, an increasing appetite from smaller players. Again, it's the same characteristics I mentioned. With the, okay. There are some very small DSOs that we're seeing, for example, in Spain. Um, that are you know you know sub one hundred thousand customers who who are leading the conversation for DSL flexibility in Spain um, and uh, and and we see the similar dynamic in in Norway as well and and, and potentially in Sweden um, so I think it comes down to the attitude of the the, the, the leaders and owners of these these organisations uh, more than anything else um, but I think ultimately you know, talked about economics earlier, it, these organizations are simply not going to be able to uh, afford to invest in the same level of systems and scope of systems as bigger players. Um, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's an opportunity for for an organization like us. We've got a, a scalable software platform. We we can develop innovative economic models for, for these smaller players. Um, you know, they don't need to, Invest in cutting-edge um, ADMS derm systems. They can, you know, use the web user interface that sends off email dispatch signals. Um, you know, for example, there 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 are routes in, into this space for for smaller players. Uh, it's not economically prohibitive. Um, okay. the fundamental thing is um, the the willingness to to innovate. That that's that's critical.
1: Yeah, well, very interesting the examples that that you brought from from Italy and and Spain. It seems like the innovators coming from two different, let's say, sizes and different uh, rationales. But yeah, I think I think that whenever the level of sophistication and investments needed to let's say adapt to a new reality arises, then with that the the question of whether or not you should have a distributed ownership of the grid or a more concentrated model. Uh, uh, rises again. And, and I think that in the, this conversation has been happening even before this was the, the problem of, let's say, investing into flexible uh, flexibility markets was there. Uh, yeah, Eva, we, we, we just talked extensively about TSOs, DSOs in particular, the role they play in integrating flex assets. This this leads us to the broader topic of, of, of the grid and how grid issues impact flexibility analysis in, in your perspective, if you were to, as you as you do routinely, if you were to advise a client uh, on how to think about, let's say, grid constraints, especially if you're talking about flex investments, are these more of an opportunity in a way? Because you know, batteries can, in particular situation, exploit grid constraints, to make money, or more of a bottleneck for flex assets development.
2: I would say that depends uh, a great deal on on the time frame you're looking at. Um, to be fair, um, now or short term for most countries, I would say it's definitely it, it it's definitely more of a constraint uh, because a lot of grids uh, in Europe are really congested already, um, and it will only get worse. Right, we'll only get more renewables. Um, and this currently leads to really long times if you want a new grid connection uh really long lead times um basically of up to ten years and yeah no no one's going to make an <laughs> make an investment that can only be realized in ten years um uh, so right now, um I would see the grid rather as an obstacle, but if you think ahead, let's say five years, ten years um and yeah, we have some of the willingness we spoke about of uh, the d s o s and the regulators. The grid can be a real opportunity, a re- real opportunity for batteries or, or generally flexible assets. Um, we already have some some great uh, great examples across Europe. Um, for example, in the Netherlands, there's a there's a platform uh, to manage uh, con- congestion and it's connected to to the intraday market. So it's a market that uh, it's connected to a market. Batteries are already active on, um, and they only have to add their locational information and. Thereby, they can help to solve congestion um, and help to solve congestion. So um, there are already examples how uh, the grid can be an opportunity for batteries or flexible assets. Um, However, I think, uh, yeah, policymakers, DSOs and so on need to be nudged a bit more uh, into this direction. Um, Otherwise, it will be really hard to make use of it. Um, Other points, of course, um, different speeds or different willingness uh to be open to new flexible technologies and yeah their location also is is key I would say um as as some some players just move a bit uh, slower than others.
1: Yeah I think I think that these trends uh, is are, are pretty much uh common I'd say across Europe of course we know that in some European countries grid is becoming already especially grid connection more and more of a constraint. But I guess that in a world where both on the flex side and on the renewable side, we're moving more towards distributed assets. Definitely, this will become more and more of a topic, right?
2: Definitely. And I mean, it, it has a large potential, right? I mean, uh, new, new flexible technologies um, can replace and solve so much, uh, so, so many of the issues that we do have with the grid. Um, right now, there's often just not, uh, first of all, the regulatory framework. Mm-hmm. Um, and if all of this is based on bilateral agreements, there's just not the the security that investments usually need uh to be made because we often don't have a market based platform we often uh we often don't have any form of auction something like this um where this the services are auctioned uh, but but this is this is exactly what is needed to give uh, investors a bit of more security um yeah also against market saturation um if we really want to see more investments in the space um so I think yeah this is the this is the this is the major point
1: yeah no, thanks a lot for thanks a lot for that. Uh, I think that one one other question that I had for for you, James, given how much you discuss let's say your 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 partnership with dSOs uh all over all over Europe and how important is it? that DSOs are proactive in this space. Uh, I thought that actually in in policy conversation our analysis, we mostly refer to the TSOs of having the larger role, especially in shaping the market in a way. But it's clear that also DSOs are essential to make it so that this integration successfully happens. So uh, I'd like to ask for, for, for your take on how do you currently see, let's say, the level of coordination between TSOs and DSOs, and what do you think? Is there an improvement that needs to happen there to make sure that this coordination is as smooth as needed for in a, in a distributed energy system?
0: Great question. I think the um, topic of coordination between TSOs DSOs is not a new one. Um, this is something that's been going around um, for 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 a decade. Um, and and certainly from a, an academic perspective, it's you know there's a lot of uh, a lot of work and progress in terms of how to design this out. The reality is what we see is we're still very early in practical solutions being deployed. Um, you know, we're we're starting to uh, explore this in in one of our projects in uh, in the UK. where we're running the local constraint market on behalf of National Grade ESO. And and there needs to be some level of coordination with that market and the two uh, distribution networks in Scotland, um, and 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 it's you know very clear uh, as we're as we're navigating this space that we're still very early in in this journey. Um, as we look at other countries, different approaches are being suggested about how this should be organised, um, what level of interaction and responsibilities the different actors should have. Um, whether it's the TSO, the DSOs, or indeed um, the market platforms, or even in fact the responsibilities on the flex service providers, um, and um, and I know that this is a topic that uh, is of great interest by regulators as well. So I I would say um, we're very we're still very early. We're just starting probably last year and this year. To st- to start implementing practical solutions as an industry at scale, um, I think there's been lots of innovation projects in this space, but practical solutions in the real world is just starting at scale. Uh, so I think the next five years are going to be very interesting. Uh, I think in five years' time we'll look back as this is this is the point where coordination really start to happen, and I think again this makes sense. Um, up until now there hasn't been that much to coordinate on. Um, you know, distributed flexibility has been a relatively small proportion of the energy sector until very recently. Um, so so the problems that, um, you know, a TSO instruction can have on the DSO network has been relatively minimal. But going forwards, um, when you have the rollout of time of use tariffs, um, you have, uh, you know, the exponentially growing volumes of you know controllable smart EV charging um and exponentially growing volumes of you know controllable solar and and, and battery you know home battery systems um and let alone electric heat in homes um we're we're gonna come across situations where um instruct you know distributed flexibility assets are gonna be responding to opportunities but at a national level, and causing issues on the distribution network. um, That's going to happen. That's going to start happening over the next five years. Um, So this becomes quite a a burning platform for the industry to solve quickly. Now, as I said, there are a lot of ideas and solutions and innovation pilots coming up with concepts, trying out things. There's all, you know, there's there's a great amount of literature available. But in terms of practical solutions, we're just starting as an industry.
1: Maybe just one follow-up on this. So you you mentioned that you have been expanding into North America f- fairly recently. Uh, what are the main, let's say, differences, if any, that you have seen, let's say, overseas when it comes to when it comes to these issues?
0: Um, there's one superficial difference, and they call things differently. Um, so it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's non-wire alternatives, non-wire alternatives uh, in, in North America, not DSO flexibility, uh, but that's the superficial difference. The uh, I guess there, there is quite a big difference uh, in, in historically um, flexibility is not being procured via marketplaces, but mm-hmm. via dedicated programs. So okay. utilities would select a particular kind of technology, let's say a thermostat. And they would run a thermostat program and they would select an aggregator to roll out thermostat, smart thermostats uh, across their, you know, their patch to to provide that demand response. And, and so as we're expanding across North America and, you know, we're active now in New York and, you know, we're recently uh, secured a project in Connecticut. Um, we're having to educate the market about you don't need to select a particular technology. You don't need to, you know say we're going to run a thermostat program, you can say we're going to run a flexibility program and leave it open for open competition, whichever technology, we're looking for megawatts, whatever technology comes and bids in at the best price can win. And that open approach is clearly much better for for lots of reasons. Um, But that's, that's where we are in North America. It's an educational piece around this, you know, this open marketplace model makes a whole lot of sense.
1: Yeah, no, thanks a lot for that. I think that also over the last uh, over the last year and a half, uh, Aurora has been growing quite a lot uh, in in North America. It's clearly a market that has many, many, many challenges, quite uh, common to the European ones. As we are all in these energy transformation worlds, but a lot of things that are fundamentally different, and uh, not just the names, which is a, can already be can already be quite quite an obstacle. Uh,
2: but so, to be think... fair, the naming convention between the UK and uh, continental Europe also can differ quite a lot. So <laughs> we don't need to go overseas to have this challenge.
1: <laughs> That's also true. Great. I think that throughout the 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 co- this conversation, I see a couple of let's say recurring the themes. On the one hand moving to a world where there is distributed generation and therefore distributed flexibility will make everything more complex, the operational complexities to be managed, both from, let's say, the system operators on the one hand, but also for the asset operators themselves will increase massively. Uh, And therefore, there is a need to go through these complexities, both in understanding them, let's say, ex ante, to make sure you take the best decisions, to also manage them when you have the assets, uh, these services it online, it, it's quite it's 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 quite key. And you are providing this, at pickle James, when it comes to offering solution to DSOs for managing flexibility markets, and now with the new uh, with the new Max platform, also to flexibility service providers. And and on the one and on the other hand, this is also our job at with tools like. Uh, chronos with our flexible analysis to make sure that the operators have the ability to understand what are the optimal dispatch decisions from an economics perspective and make the most informed let's say choices from an investment perspective. So given that you both work in simplifying the problem for the flexibility service provider and investors I would ask both of you if you were to say what is the most, let's say, the number one challenge for flexibility asset owners when it comes to respectively operating these assets successfully and achieving, let's say, an optimal revenue stacking by operating into the different markets available, James. And in understanding what are the more, let's say, the fundamental economic drivers for these investments have are. But what would you say is the more complicated things, the question that you get asked the most the issue that really is, let's say, getting people stuck a little bit when it comes to fully diving into, into, into the flex space. Uh, I don't know. Do you want to start, Eva?
2: Uh, yeah, very happy to. So I would say that the question I get asked the most is really how much, how much flex technology do we need and how much is, is enough? And wh- wh- where is the point reached that you have saturation and you cannot make money with these flexible assets? Anymore, And um, this is, uh, of course, we uh, are providing an example to this uh, at Country Devils and we also do comparisons about this. But um, the hard part about this question really is that um, you still have regulatory uncertainty around it as well, right? Because uh, we spoke about it. um, Many markets are liberalized, but especially when it comes to the grid, um, many flexible assets Cannot really unfold their full potential yet, um, and we we don't really and, and and as long as we don't have good frameworks for this, it's really hard to say how much how how much do we need um, and and how many how many assets can actually still make money on on the future market setup that we don't know yet how it will look um, and. What we can what we can give as Aurora definitely is a is, is, is a number that is based on um that is based on uh the current framework that we have now um but I'm pretty certain uh, that there, there, there will be more to it and I think this is the this is this is the hardest nut to crack right now
1: I I would agree with, with that definitely one of the top questions uh we we are all we're also asked uh down here in in Italy uh James what about you now that you have launched this new platform. You are interacting more and more with flexibility service providers. What is the number one question or concern that they have from your perspective?
0: I think, you know, one of the the, the, num- the number one concern is the amount of um, friction and overhead there is in accessing all these different concepts. Um, and... You know, there's a there's a very simple solution, which is in market interoperability. You know, that's a, a bit of a mouthful, but that's that's the solution. You have all these different different types of concepts, but ultimately all these need to be accessible via a common sets of APIs, and then platforms like us can then surface up all these different concepts in a consistent way, a visible way. And all of this will drive a lot more market liquidity, um, you know. And ultimately, a vision here is whether you're a buyer or seller of flexibility. You go to the marketplace and you find what you need. Whether you need to, we need to source flexibility, or you need to sell flexibility, at the best price. Um, you you want that's what that's what everyone's wanting. Um, so. That that's the, the challenge we're setting ourselves is is cutting cutting through all this friction and these overheads, these transaction overheads, and, and bringing it all together. Um, we think is a huge part of the puzzle. And you add you add on the the economic uh, forecasting, and you know how, you know how can you make money from this from 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 a side? Then then you have a very compelling um, you know very compelling proposition for the industry.
1: Great. Well, I, I I'd say this is a natural note to to finish on. Uh, it was a pleasure talking with you both, discussing your takes on status and challenges of flexible energy markets. And yeah, and also for, for me personally learning something new. So thanks a lot, James. Thanks a lot, Eva. And yeah, for taking the time to speak. Thank you very much.
2: Thanks, was a pleasure.
0: That was Matteo Coriglioni, Head of Italy at Aurora, talking to James Johnston,
1: CEO and founder of Piclo Energy, and Heather Zimmerman, Flexibility Associate in the Aurora Energy Research Team.
0: Do keep an eye on our podcast feed for more in-depth conversations with senior members of the energy industry. The best way to do this is to subscribe on whatever platform you use. Thanks for listening and goodbye.